Boom blast. This is week 11 of I'll Name This Football Pod Later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Tell your friends. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and for another week, of course, I'm joined by my dude, sports betting professional and host of the Windows Sports Betting Podcast, Mr. Matt Russell. How you doing? How you feeling in week 11? Man, I'm good. I'm good for two reasons. One, the Chicago Bears don't play this week, which is <laughs> absolutely a delight for everybody involved. And two, for the second straight week, I can't believe you're here. Man, night after or day after the one of the great nights of the NBA season, right? The NBA draft. My guy here's on the radio talking about it. Like, I can't believe you're slumming it with me here again for the second straight week, especially after the success of your podcast with uh, involving the challenge. So you got the challenge going, you got the NBA going on here, like us lowly NFL sports betters over here. Just can't believe that you're uh, you're hanging out with us. So this is awesome. First off. I'm the one who is honored because sometimes, you know, with how the football season's going, sometimes I'm really sad. Sometimes I'm really depressed because I can't get the picks to work out. But this year's okay. different. I've been having a lot of fun, right? Okay. And with the picks being where they're at, let's be serious. Six, six, and two last week. Okay. okay. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Six, six, sure. and two. Right. The two pushes being your man's Nick Chubb running out of bounds mm-hmm. and the Lions blowing a double-digit lead to Alex Smith only to kick the game-winning field goal at the buzzer. Then, of course, we know there's other just tomfoolery that goes on week to week in the NFL. But again, what we've been saying the whole year, the reads feel good. So when I look at the record overall, 72, 70, and 5, Okay. Right. I'm just like, all right, cool. But I'm having so much fun doing this podcast. And yes, late night last night with the NBA draft, watched all two rounds, of course. Then you watch the post draft coverage and all that fun stuff. It was a late night. I'm pretty <laughs> tired. But you roll over and you just think, ah, NFL week 11. Where else would you rather be, my dude? Where else? Absolutely, man. Turn the page. Come join us in the uh, deep recesses of the NFL season here. And the Thursday night game, that's going to be really fun, too. See, that's how I know you're a pro, because that was a beautiful segue into (laughs) Thursday night football. Cardinals traveling to Seattle. Cards are three-point dogs in Seattle. Now, Fresh off dunking on the Buffalo Bills, DeAndre Hopkins and company now face Russ, who's been struggling. We've seen this game before. It was a back-and-forth affair in which the Cards won in OT. But the Seahawks haven't lost three straight games in the same season since 2011. A lot of things, a lot of dueling narratives going back and forth here. But for me, it's kind of simple. And I'm a simple-minded person, and this is why you're here, to poke holes in my simple-minded theories. Sure. <laughs> but the cards, why, why should I not just take the points, take the three points, and enjoy another close game, and just, you know. This is actually one of the more interesting games, and it's funny because I, I don't have the strongest necessary opinion mm-hmm. on this game, but it's the it's the Thursday night game this season that I bet the quickest. So you might be like, what, what are you talking about? So when you say, should I just take the points here at plus three? Like, what's the reason not to? Well, the first reason is, unfortunately, you're late. 
because this was five and a half last week. Woo. It reopened at four and a half. It was four and a half for like five seconds, <laughs> roughly. Uh, I literally watched it change like right before my eyes and go down to four where I bet the Cardinals plus four. So okay. technically you're late from a line value standpoint. Now, I did that, not necessarily because I love the Cardinals in this game, but because, you know, I see where the line is going, right? People are loving the Cardinals these days, sort of finally souring on the Seahawks a bit, right? But you made a great point about how they never lose three games in a row. And so if I told you two weeks ago, going to that Buffalo game where nobody wanted anything to do with the Buffalo Bills in that game, and we're all about the Seahawks, that two weeks from now, people would be jumping ship on the Seahawks. You'd have been like, that's insane. How is that even possible? Well, what happened? Well, a game that we saw coming with regards to the Bills. Okay, that's fine. A game, frankly, that we saw coming last week against the Rams, right? The Rams own the Seahawks. We talk about how there's this cycle in the NFC of each team kind of owning a different team in that division. And so I go, okay, we've got a massive buy low, sell high situation here, right? And it's literally shown in the marketplace as the, not the line has gone down to three. So for me, I've got Arizona plus four already in my queue, if you will, in my, okay. in my bets list. Yeah. But I think I'm coming back over the top here on Seattle and I'll tell you why. For one, you know, you mentioned it was a back and forth affair. Now, if you watched uh, DK Metcalf literally run down the field back and forth to, <laughs> uh, to drag down Buda Baker in that game. Yes, that was very much back and forth. But in, in, in totality of that game, the Seahawks were in control, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had a 10-point lead for much of that game. Obviously, we've talked about that at length before. But the, you know, the penalty that allowed Arizona to get a late touchdown instead of a field goal that obviously contributed to that game going to overtime. And so you look at that and you go, okay, like, you know, yes, it was a close game. Yes, of course, Arizona ended up winning that game, but Seattle was in control for much of that game. And so what are we worried about when it comes to Seattle, right? We were worried about the spot when it came to, you know, going all the way to Buffalo in a game that they didn't really need. And we were worried about the matchup against the Rams. Well, the matchup here kind of favors Seattle. And again, if you watch, if you rewatch that game all the way up until the end, you can see that on the field, right? Like there isn't anybody... Uh, you know, there isn't a Ramsey where there, you know, for, that can just mm-hmm. absolutely shut down DK Metcalf. So the Seahawks are coming in this game with both those weapons. No one can kind of stop them. Uh, from a run game standpoint, we always go, okay, the Seattle run game, like somewhat of an afterthought here, right? A guy that not a ton of people have heard of, Corey Peters on the defensive line, a guy who's played every game for the Cardinals in the last like five years. He is now sort of mysteriously in a way out for the season. I didn't see that coming and not a guy who's going to move the spread, right? But when you're talking about him, we've talked about in the past Chandler Jones being out. We're starting to really get looser when it comes to that Cardinals defense. And so now all of a sudden it's like, okay, here we go. This is the opportunity for Russell Wilson to get right, right? And have that, you know, you know, Russ in primetime, right? The, The MVP stuff is going to turn back around in his favor. We might get a little weather situation happening in Seattle. All of those things benefit Seattle. Obviously, losing two straight games, not great. But in the NFL, we always want to buy teams at their lowest. And I think this was probably that dip in the season, right? It wasn't going to be all roses when it came to the Seahawks season. And so in this case, we're buying low here. 
Arizona, right? Still loving that that play at the end of the game. But if you look at Arizona, it's like very close to losing at home to Buffalo. Like, like it was over. We oh, talked yeah. about it on my podcast on Monday with you about how I had graded that game before it was over. I had never yeah. do that. And I did that in that game. Of course, I had to go back and change everything back up again. And, you know, you, we talked about how they lost to Detroit at home. They lost to Miami at home. Like this team is a little overrated based on the sort of spectacular element of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. But on the field, it doesn't necessarily translate into like high quality play. They're getting a couple of wins here and there, but it's, it, it's all just seems a little bit overrated here. And so we got a buy low sell high spot here that at, over the course of this week has made me sort of flip over to thinking that the Seahawks are the play here tonight at minus three. I'll bet it at minus three. So I'll still win even if it lands on three because I still have that plus four, which gives you at least a decent you know, eye into professional sports betting. It's like, I've made a bet on a team. I got a good number, but it doesn't mean that I'm married to that side. And now once I take Seattle here, I can get a little bit extra and listen, a key number of three, right? If it lands on three, I'm still a winner. uh, And that's what I'm going to do with that game tonight. Interesting, interesting. And of course, if people who follow the podcast know, we have a run of Thursday night picks where my pick, you fade my pick. (laughs) And we come back again to another situation to where I came in here saying Arizona plus three. And so we come out on the other end where the pick is take Seattle minus three. We did it last week, right? With the Colts and Titans. We've turned it around a couple of different times here. Your Thursday record's probably pretty good. Hey, Thursday record's starting to come back up on the the bright side. (laughs) And it doesn't matter how you get there. It's just, I want winners, right? (laughs) Seahawks minus three. Let's go. You mentioned the Colts, and we were all over the Colts last week. We were also all over your man's Jake Luton against the Packers. Now we got the Packers hosting, or sorry, the Packers heading to Indy after they barely survived. But the Packers go to Indy as two-point underdogs against the Colts. And this game is interesting to me because I like the Colts because we know the Colts' defense is really, really good. To me, anyways. And last week showed us if you can run the ball against the Packers, you give yourself a really good chance to win the game. The problem is that I want to ask you is, do the Colts really know who their best running back is? And can Phil Rivers put up enough points to beat Aaron Rodgers? Those are my questions to you because I like the Colts. But tell me why I'm wrong here. Right. I mean, the, the strength of the Colts defense, right, is in the run defense. Right. And that's why we okay. like them last week against the Titans. And ah. now we get into sort of a pass defense thing, right? Colts defense, you know, shuts down the Titans, does a really good job against the Ravens run game, right? That's wonderful. Aaron Rodgers, bit of a different situation, right? Correct. Slinging it around now, Devontae Adams, somewhat questionable in this one. I think he's probably still going to play. He absolutely owns Xavier Rhodes from their days in matchups again, you know, with the Vikings and the Packers. Okay. And so you've got, Rogers here, yeah, I mean, maybe it's sort of a buy low situation because they didn't cover against the Jaguars. But listen, they gave up a punt return. Like it was gale force wins in Green Bay last week. Like it wasn't an ideal throwing situation, even for the great Aaron Rodgers. Indoors now, right? Fast track. And I think I'd rather this this game happen in Lambeau if I'm the Colts, right? I like them, the, the sort of playing field from a 
quarterback standpoint to be a little bit more even in this case we got fast track situation here you know finding Aaron Jones getting him loose all of that kind of stuff is a little bit frightening I think if you're a Colts defense that as good as they are it's it's kind of a sliding scale in 2020 right like the great defenses are only so great like the NFL won't allow them to be that great and so for me here like maybe it's a little bit you know, I sort of, <laughs> it, it, it's going against sort of the sharp play, if you will, here by, you know, anytime you bet on Green Bay, it's like, God forbid, you know, you're such a square. But in this case, <laughs> like, I think we're buying a little high here if you're betting the Colts because of that you. Thursday night game. Like, we were on them. Everything sort of went the way we thought it was going to be, right? They like, basically doubled the yardage of the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. And even then, some awful sketchy coaching decisions. For sure. Coming from Frank Reich and the Colts. And listen, and some I'm key saying, special teams plays for the Colts that they benefited. Key special teams from. helped, right? But fundamentally, they were the better team, even when that game was a three point game. But the point is, is like if you're doubling them in yardage and you're still losing the game, like there's yeah. some flaws in there from just a game management and coaching standpoint here. Uh, I really like LaFleur. Obviously, a lot of that stuff is in the hands of Aaron Rodgers here. Uh, yeah. And they might just decide we're not going to run the ball at all. And I think Aaron yeah. Rodgers would be completely fine with that and now you're looking at a shootout type game and phil rivers in a shootout a <laughs> little bit dicey but more importantly that red zone offense right that was the thing against the titans Terrible. it was like they would get down the field and then it would all kind of come apart at the end here now they've added michael Pittman, who you could see they were running a lot of plays for in and among that in and amongst that red zone offense but i think i'm still on the packers here the best bet in this entire thing i think is t- teasing the Packers up from one and a half to whatever you can get there up to seven and a half or eight. Like imagine getting the Packers plus seven and a half plus eight. Like, yes, Incredible. you're paying minus two seventy, but like, that's a really good value from a teaser leg standpoint. Yeah. And I think too, if I, if I simplify it for myself, it's kind of like mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is getting points in a dome <laughs> on a fast track. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like if I simplify yeah. it for myself, I, I get what you're saying. I totally get it. And it makes a lot of sense. And if you're talking about a shootout, who, which dog do I want to be backing here? It's definitely not right. your man's Phil Rivers. So I totally hear you. Totally cool. And why I love the pod so much. We come in talking, we break things down. We're poking holes through the theories and let's keep that train moving. Uh, the Ravens. Okay. Coming off a loss in a monsoon in New England, the Ravens are now back at home as six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Titans. The Titans have lost three of four. Their only win was against the Bears. And we all know this is a rematch of last year's playoffs, but I do wonder if Mike Vrabel can take even more things from last week's game in which the Ravens played against his OG Bill Belichick. You know, how to slow Lamar a little – He won't be able to get the weather system of the monsoon from Bill Belichick, but maybe some things scheme-wise. Plus, the Pats were able to run the ball all over the Ravens, so what will Derrick Henry do? I think I love the points here, but I don't like when things seem too obvious. (laughs) This is kind of where I'm at. I like the points, and I'm taking the Titans at six and a half points. Is it a little too obvious? I don't think so. I mean, okay. I think you're right, right? I think you're right to, to take the points. I bet them plus seven before that game even happened. And I like to, I, like, no matter what happened against New England, 
I was going to be on Tennessee in this game. And yes, it's yeah. obviously the rematch from the We talked about this year. weeks ago, actually. You were looking ahead to this game. I do remember <laughs> weeks ago you said yes, you're exactly. already pinpointing this. <laughs> Yeah, did I think we were going to get better number? I kind of, I, I did. Like, I thought we would get over seven. Uh, the look ahead was sort of in that seven and a half range. But, you know, unfortunately, the Ravens did not look good yet again, right? And so whether it's against the Steelers where they did well from a yardage standpoint, but Lamar failed them, whether it was they got relatively lucky against Colts, and now it's, that has all kind of come to a head. And the injuries are piling up. And so you're right about Derrick Henry and the run game. And we're looking at a team here that is slowly losing guys, right? Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, like bunch cluster injuries here on the defensive line. And you're right, Derrick Henry, and not just Derrick Henry, because they have a couple of backup running backs pretty good too, right? A guy by the name of Deontay Foreman, who, you know, played at Texas, uh, was with Houston, and then was just starting to get a chance with Houston, and then he tore his Achilles. And so, of course, he's out of the league, and now he's back. And so it isn't just Derrick Henry on that team. And so they could just run the ball constantly the same way that the Patriots did. And I'm not saying necessarily that they're going to win the game, you know, shock the Ravens again, though maybe they will. But... I just think at six and a half here, the market is telling you, go ahead and take the Titans because that minus six and a half not being seven is trying to get people to bet the Ravens at this point because yes. they know full well that this Ravens team isn't the Ravens team of last year, right? Even from an offensive standpoint, they lost tight end uh, Boyle, right? To a pretty horrific injury. Uh, and that guy isn't, you know, he's not on your fantasy team, but he's a run blocker right and of course last season where they built up this sort of mystique if you will Marshall Yonda hall of fame level guard retired in the offseason so now you've seen how that sort of slipped right we talked about the Ronnie Stanley injury against the Steelers and so you're looking around going like a lot of replacement level guys here in spots that aren't necessarily talked about a ton and that's what's hurting the Ravens offensively this season. And so Titans getting a little bit better on defense, right? Like it wasn't great last week against the Colts, but it's better than it has been over the course of this entire season. Uh, doesn't look like we're going to ever get a Dory Jackson back. He just keeps getting sort of pushed down the line here as far yeah. as his injury is concerned. That would be a pleasant surprise, but he's not necessarily a guy here against a Ravens team who you know you don't necessarily need that cornerback against the no. Ravens. Uh, in this case, it's going to be all about the trenches on both sides of the football here. Uh, and I think six, six and a half points is a ton of points and, I, and I'm happy to take them. They're going to be, they're going to be one of my best bets this week. Yeah. I love the Titans here. And I love also the point that you, we bring up from time to time here on the pod, which I, I love so much where we're trying to get people into thinking about the game a little deeper. And that means bringing up players like O-linemen that aren't on <laughs> right. your fantasy team that people might not be aware of, but they mean a lot in terms of how a team's going to perform on a week to week basis. And as you know, the trenches guys for the Ravens continue to go down. It's a huge, huge, huge problem. And that is really the answer when people are wondering, hey, why does the Ravens team and mostly their offense look so much different than they did last year? Yeah, Lamar Jackson isn't a different player, right? Like, he didn't change, no, for sure. but the pieces around him, right? And now, you, you know, Mark Andrews, people talk about him because he's a fantasy tight end, but he's not a run blocking tight end, right? So, yeah. you know, they used to have a strength there when they had Hayden Hurst, you know, remember him? Yeah. Oh, now he's on the Falcons, right? People thought so highly of him that they went out of their way to go to and get him. him. Yeah. And so now you're just down to Mark Andrews from a sort of tight ends from last year, and he's not 
he's not the running block, the run blocking tight end on that, on that team. Totally. And the other important thing that you mentioned there in talking about that game was the difference between six and a half points and the seven. So as we move on to the chiefs and the Raiders, this is a seven point spread. And I'm super interested in this game because I mentioned, I really like the the Titans line. I really like the Chiefs line, and I'm looking at it thinking it's too easy, and I need you to talk yeah. me out of this a little because here's, here's the thing, okay? I love the Chiefs at minus seven in Vegas against the Raiders, and I know last week you said we might be late to the party on the Raiders, which we'll, we'll get to for sure, but the one thing I do know is that the Chiefs really want this game, right? They lost earlier on in the season to the Raiders. Andy Reid's trying to bring up the bullet board uh, material talking about how uh, the Raiders took a victory lap in their bus around Arrowhead to which Gruden yeah. kind of looked kind of cheese that he had to answer questions about it gave the next question answer when it was brought up but here's why this is important to me and this is why personnel matters right I think that you're talking about an offense in the Chiefs that we've seen a lot of times just toy with their opponents <laughs> Right. When the the last time we saw them and they're they're running motion in the backfield with their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, to to take (laughs) the snap in the shotgun, and you're just like, What? I've never seen that before. Like you're just cooking stuff up and for no good reason. So unnecessary. It's so unnecessary, right? So now you're telling me this is a game that you really want in kind of a revenge game. You're a team that's coming off a Super Bowl and you're looking for little things to motivate you along the way to keep you interested to keep you plugged in but now you're coming in off a bye week against this Raiders team what things were they possibly cooking up during the bye week like if that was your game plan ahead of time and and go back to the two games before right we watched them take on the Jets favored by 19 and a half points and these guys were going for it on fourth downs so yeah this is this is the mentality of the squad. So you're telling me it's only seven points? I don't like it being the actual number of seven, but I think the Chiefs offense, Mahomes is out here trying to just go bonkers. So it comes down to the Raiders and what I believe their offense is. I don't know. What, what do you make of this line? Am I too giddy about the Chiefs right now? I don't know that you're too giddy, right? Like uh, this one does feel like they're they're going to get the auxiliary playbook, right? Like they're going to bring out the good stuff. And mm-hmm. remember that Ravens game where it was like, yeah, I'm not sure I'm loving the Chiefs. And the Ravens are favored by three, three and a half points. Yep. And then all of a sudden, like you're five minutes into the game and you're like, a diamond formation? <laughs> like, you know, and you're like, what? And it's yeah. like, oh, Andy Reid brought out the good stuff for this yeah. one, right? Like he went into the top shelf of the liquor cabinet and was like, we're going to partay tonight. Yeah. And so they did, right? And they did that yeah. against the Ravens because that was the big game when it came to AFC standing supremacy, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. But don't look now, but this Raiders team at six and three mm-hmm. with the game that they've already won against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. if they win this one, they're now just one game back of the Chiefs with that tiebreaker element yep. for the division. It's like, what? How, how did we get here, right? With the Chiefs having to go to Tampa Bay next week. And so, like, this is very much the division suddenly up for grabs, or at least <laughs> in the minds of the Raiders here. Now, yeah. from a market standpoint, you're right. And this opened at six and a half, even six in some places. Ooh. And immediately everybody was like, 
Chiefs under a touchdown? Like, take all of my money. And then it goes to seven. And then, by the way, the entire Raiders defense is on the COVID list this week. Yeah. Now, they're all going to end up, you know, testing negative, and they're going to be fine. But if your defense isn't practicing the week before the Chiefs, is that ideal? Not so much. So this goes off the board. I'll be interested to see where this reopens, right? Is it going to reopen at seven? Or is this a second chance for the sports books to be like, we kind of messed up that first time. Like, <laughs> let's go seven and a half. Let's go eight here. Let's yeah. calm everybody down because I haven't seen anybody make the case for the Raiders. And you mentioned the bye week, right? Andy Reid off a bye. Like, that's sort of a common thing. So you would think that that would juice the lineup more or the line up more. And you know, I haven't heard anybody make the case for the Raiders. Of course, the case for the Raiders, right, is that run game and just pounding away on the Chiefs that, again, oftentimes struggle against the run. But some of that, I just think, is disinterest, right? And this is not going to be that case, right? You got John Gruden doing the victory lap and all of that stuff. I just think the Chiefs are so focused. But we saw this last week, you know, road team, how could they possibly lose? Seven-point road favorite against a team that we don't think all that much of Mm -hmm. in that Ravens-Patriots matchup. And I said, you know, this, and that was one that, like, we pegged it, we figured it out, and we still bet the Ravens, right? Like, yeah. we were still, like, Sunday night game where, like, something wacky is going to happen. You're right, like, total weather situation, and we don't have that. You've got the Chiefs on a fast track, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, like, I'm not betting the Raiders, like, and it's, but it's going to be really hard for me not to bet the Chiefs. And I don't <laughs> want to say no matter the number, because I expect it to open over seven, but, like, I think they bring out the good stuff, man. I think the, uh, I think the good stuff's coming off the top shelf this Sunday. I like it. I like it. I'm interested to see what comes off the top shelf for Tom Brady and company. As mm. a big-time game, Sunday nighter, the Bucks are hosting the Rams. Rams come in – or, sorry, the Monday nighter, right? That's Monday, Monday nighter. Yeah. And the Bucks are hosting the Rams. The Rams are three-point underdogs in Tampa Bay. And – Tampa Bay looked really good against the Panthers last week, right? We called that on the pod. Right. But I think mm-hmm. a theme throughout the year that we've consistently brought up is the difference between Tom Brady when he's being pressured and when he's mm-hmm. not being pressured. And last time I checked, there's a dude on the Rams on their defensive line who's known to get a little bit of pressure. His name is Aaron Donald. Yeah. For me, I got to start from there just seeing Tom Brady, like it's not that far removed from my memory, watching Tom Brady against the saints pass rush against the bears pass rush. And then I see Aaron Donald. I don't know. The Rams are a team where we haven't been able to fully peg them. Like we don't really know how good they are, but we don't really know how bad they are either. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? We've seen kind of the waves up and down of the Rams this season, but I do know the pass rush getting to Brady limits them on offense. So it leans me towards taking the Rams plus three, but what do you take from this game? What are you thinking? And, and this is a number now on Thursday, as we do this, where do you think the number might end up come Monday? Well, actually it's funny that you say that because the number has moved and we're up to four. (laughs) right now and so it's yeah so you're getting four if you like the rams Hmm. i don't i don't like the rams i think so a couple of different things right from a market standpoint right this is essentially the same number as it was a couple of weeks ago in that 
markets game. So no matter what happens in that game, right, the market for a full week decided what the number was. And now you're telling me that's the same exact thing here, but for the Rams. So I don't have the Rams as highly rated as I do the Saints. So why would I have this number be three? So it makes sense for it to go to four from that standpoint. From an on-field handicap stuff, you're 100% right about the Aaron Donald thing, right? Nobody loves pressure, right? And it's not like the Rams win every single game necessarily, right? And so, yes, they own the Seahawks. But again, if we go up and down that Rams schedule, it's a lot of NFC East wins, right? And then the team that they own in the NFC West. Now you're going on the road cross country for like the seventh time, something like that. This, <laughs> yeah, this, their this schedule. Year. Oof. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just constant flights across country, right? And mm-hmm. so I look at this and I go, okay, well, what am I going to get from Tampa? Now the key element is, are they going to get Ali Marpet back, right? Pro Bowl interior offensive lineman, kind of important against a guy like Aaron Donald, right? And you for can sure. scheme for Aaron Donald, but it's a lot easier to scheme Ali Marpet and maybe one other guy against against Aaron Donald instead of like three guys to try to block Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. And so if he's playing, which I think it seems like he's going to be back for. I think that pressure element sort of goes down. And we talked about Jalen Ramsey, right? So the key to the, Ram- the Rams is two guys on defense, right? It's very yeah. stars and scrubs type of a, of a system. It's like Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, bunch of other dudes. Paid a- those two guys a ton of money to do stuff. Well, we talk about the weapons, right? With the Bucks, And they're like, okay, so Jalen Ramsey can only guard one guy. Right, he can only cover, say, Mike Evans, and now you got another week of your, you know, your your Antonio Browns. You got your Gronks, right? Oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Chris Godwin. And so you're looking around, going like, oh, we're going to need more Jalen Ramseys for this, right? And so <laughs> you look at Tampa Bay and you go, okay, really got their, you know, their block knocked off against the Saints a couple of weeks ago, right? Like we're feeling pretty good about the Bucks, right? Like we're the favorite in the NFC. And it was like, boom, kicked it in the face against the Saints. And last week was exactly what we thought, right? The the get right game for Carolina. And so the sort of ebbs and flows of the season are you get Carolina as the get right game, but this is the game that decides whether you're right or not. Right? Like you got right, but you got to stay right in this case. And I think they do, right? It's a primetime game. They're certainly not going to overlook the Rams. Yes, they do have the Chiefs next week. So there could be some potential look ahead element there. But the Rams' record is good enough that in that NFC, these NFC games matter a ton. And I don't think, especially with the Drew Brees injury um, with the Saints, that the Bucks, you know, I think they still think they have the chance at that one seed, assuming the, the playoff system does get turned on its head. Um, you know, with the changes that they're proposing, if there's yeah. some sort of need for an extra week, but that one seat is still very much viable. And this is a key game for that, especially the chiefs coming next week. Like, I think it's less of a look ahead situation, more like a, we need to bank this win because this the win. chiefs are coming to town next week. Right. And so I think you're going to get the best, you know, a combination of effort and humility here from the bucks. And we talk all the time about Jared Goff. When do you not want to be involved in the Jared Goff game? It's when they get pressure on the quarterback. And the Seahawks haven't been able to do that all season. He was able to do well against them, right? But the Dolphins before the bye week were. And I think the Bucks are more that team from a defensive standpoint. You also look at the system, right? Like Jared Goff, we already know what he is, right? He drops back. He's told where he's supposed to go with the ball, dot, dot, dot. You can see that on the tape. Our favorite guy 
the defensive coordinator on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to have a plan for that, right? And so this is one where I think the Rams are running into something of a buzzsaw here with the Bucs, okay. who, again, are only going to get better throughout the rest of the season. And this is a bigger game for them than maybe it would have looked like on the schedule at the start of the season. I like the Bucs here, and I like them to win relatively big. See, I love this pod so much because it represents – so much of my like tunnel vision sometimes of what happens during the season where um, I'm in too much of the highs and lows of what happened last week and what relates to that instead of sometimes opening up that view and making it a more big picture conversation. And that's what really interested me about doing this pod in the first place. And now as we continue to do it and we're in week 11, this is exactly it. It's exactly perfect. Totally see it. But if we do go back to last week big news involving the saints as drew Brees is out for a couple weeks and that probably leads more into what you're just saying about the bucks in terms of seeing this opportunity that they can get back in that division right so Jameis is most likely going to get the start right we're going to assume because Taysom hill is not a real running or not yeah. a real quarterback but story for no, another yeah. day but the saints are hosting the falcons and the Saints are five-point favorites. This is really interesting to me because, you know, Jameis or not or whatever they're going to do, how many trick plays do you have for Taysom Hill, right? And how much time do you have for Jameis to get his ish together to keep up with the yeah. Falcons' offense? And I know that the defense of the Saints is good, cool, but I feel like no matter what, most often than not, the Falcons put up points. So I'm going to take the five points here, especially coming off a bye. Uh, what do you think of this game and, and sort of what's going on overall with the Saints and their injury issues? Uh, this is a really fun game for me because I'm a nerd when it comes to you know sports in general. Like I fully admit that. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, I get to go back into my, you know, recollection, into my memory, and I get to go back and look at games from last season. And this one's perfect for me from the sort of finding the common thread. So last season, Falcons, terrible, right? For the first, whatever it was, eight games of the season, they go on their bye week. They make some changes from a coaching staff standpoint, right? They keep Dan Quinn, but Dan Quinn goes and he moves a bunch of guys around. And one of the things that he did was he moved Raheem Morris to defensive coordinator, right? Their first game out of that bye, a road game at the Saints. Everybody's like, there's no chance. The Falcons are going to get smoked, blah, 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 blah. They hold the Saints to nine points and they win the game on the road, right? And it's like, okay, they get going and they end up having a great rest of their season. Didn't really do them all that good, of course. It, you know, it saved the job of Dan Quinn. And of course, here we are now, right? They lost on Thanksgiving night to the Saints. But that was a game where they held Drew Brees to under 200 yards passing. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, yeah, of course, Drew Brees just carved up the, you know, the crappy Falcons defense. It was just, you know, you lose games sometimes, right? And yeah. so they played, you know, point is, is they, we know that the Falcons play the Saints well. That's been the case for years. But even at the worst of times last year, based on that coaching switcheroo with regards to Raheem Morris, well, here we are this year, right? Falcons haven't been great this season. What did they do? Coaching switcheroo. In this case, that switcheroo was get Dan Quinn out of here. And guess who's involved again? Raheem Morris. Now, I'm not here to tell you that Raheem Morris needs to get the head coaching job. There's a lot going on potentially with Raheem Morris as far as not being good enough to be their head coach. But 
again, the, the parallels are there. And now in this case, and last year, the game that they lost, they didn't have Julio Jones. Kind of an important guy. In this case, Julio Jones is back. Looks like Calvin Ridley probably going to be back. That's something that, of course, we're going to want to keep our eye on here. But as you said, the key element here, quarterback play. And so last week, as you know, we were on the Saints in Survivor, Circus Survivor contest, right? Like big money thing, sweating out a 10-point deficit, and then Drew Brees gets hurt, and they've got a seven-point lead in the second half, and Jameis is in there. And I don't know about you, but I didn't love necessarily what I saw from Jameis. Now, maybe that changes a little bit this, this week. And listen, you or I would be named quarterback for the Saints before Taysom Hill, not necessarily because Taysom Hill's bad at quarterback, because Sean Payton lives for the gadget play with Taysom Hill, right? Like, he will have anyone play quarterback as the starting quarterback as long as he can weave Taysom Hill into the lineup, right? Now, sometimes that works out, and sometimes he's dribbling the ball down the field like he's in a basketball game, right? It can go both ways. So in this case, this line was was seven going in. Now it's kicked down to five, right? And so kind of a no man's lance off of a key number. So now like you can win if you've got saints and they win by seven and it's like, okay, but is that enough for Drew Brees and the efficiency of that offense as it pertains to Jameis Winston being involved? I kind of like the Falcons here for all of the reasons that I sort of stated, right? Like the, the, the through line here of the Falcons coming off of a bye, having sort of given more power to Raheem Morris, having given more power to that defense in general uh, in, you know, in a defense that was bad last year and they still did well against the Saints. So what am I afraid of when it comes to the Saints here? Like we're still living off of that Buccaneers performance from two weeks ago because last week against the 49ers team, we thought the Saints were going to score a ton in that game and they scored enough, but it was off a lot of kind of fluky stuff, right? Like muffed punts, penalties that probably weren't really penalties from a yardage <laughs> standpoint. It was pretty dead even against San Francisco. And I don't mean dead even in a good way. I mean no. dead even and they both had less than 300 yards and so if the saints think that they're going to have less than 300 yards here and cover a number like five points they've got another thing coming and and betters out there have another thing coming i like the falcons plus five and i think they're very live to win this game because i thought that even when breeze was lined up to start this game like like the tennessee baltimore game this is one that i've had pegged and i've had pegged for a while here and just because it's dropped from seven to five here isn't going to take me off of this game yeah, I mean, it was totally crazy. I totally agree with you as well. I'm definitely on the Falcons. And you mentioned talking about live, being live to win the game. Yeah. As we switch gears here to Jake Luton, who was very live to win the game last week uh, as a double-digit yeah. underdog. This week, they find themselves in another position as double-digit underdogs as well against Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Steelers right. favored by 10 and from a starting point, I always yeah. try to start on, give me the points when we're talking double digit spreads. I know you're a Jake Luton. Sir, you're, you, that's your mans. You rep <laughs> for Jake Luton for yeah. sure. <laughs> sure. I need to know in this instance, is 10 points enough in this week for him to cover the double digit spread two weeks in a row? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that it is. Uh, Listen, I love, like the word love Jake Luton is one thing. Listen, we've covered two straight weeks um, backing Jake Luton. Um, Was it necessarily pretty last week? No, right? They they needed a punt return touchdown. You know, they needed, you know, a gale forced wind situation to again, kind of uh, 
equalize the playing field, if you will, with regards to yeah. him and Aaron Rodgers, right? So like the, it goes from here to just here as far as like the difference between the two guys. And so you go into this one and you go against that Steelers defense this is the toughest one, right? Like this isn't the Texans defense. This isn't the Packers defense. This is the Steelers defense on the flip side. What do we know about the Steelers, right? They love playing down to the competition, right? We saw it against the Cowboys. And then that very next week, it's like, Oh, we've got the Bengals here. People think the Bengals are this up and coming team that could give us a shot here. Oh, boom, destroyed. And the Steelers offense still overrated. I know people think I'm kind of insane when I say that, but from a metric efficiency standpoint, like it just isn't as good as the point totals, for example, that they put up. Now, yeah. again, against the Jacksonville defense, that might not matter all that much this week. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, my, my number, my fair number is, is Pittsburgh minus eight. So yes, in theory, 10 is a pretty good number. I think you'd probably even get 10 and a half at some point, but I just don't, I think this might be the time to sort of step back away from our, Jake here because again major step up in weight class for Jake and uh and it might just be a step away for us this week so it's one of those things where if that game last week against the Packers Mm -hmm. if it wasn't that crazy what was that line what do you think the line would be this week like let's just say the Packers because I know that it was really close it was down to the wire but do, do you know what I mean like what was the what do you think what was the line last week? If you know what the look ahead line was, do you know what I mean? Like how much more yeah, of a that hasn't would the Steelers be? Oh, it didn't change much. Okay. Right. No, no, that, okay. uh, that hasn't changed really at all. Right. It's been 10. To, it's kind of kicked back and forth from 10, 10 and a half. Okay. No, I don't think the market was sort of like, Oh, the Jags are good. All of a sudden, <laughs> right? Like I think we all realized that like, yeah, that was kind of a smoke and mirrors type of a performance. It was obviously as we expected, not, the best effort from the Packers because we didn't expect it to be the best effort from the Packers. Cause it was sort of a, let's just show up, play this, you know, kind of crappy AFC team yeah. and just get out of here with the win. Like that's why we were on the Jags last week. Cause we knew the one thing that Jake Luton doesn't do is turn the ball over a ton, right? We talked For about sure. his touchdown interception ratio with Oregon state 28 to three last season. And is that going to be necessarily the case? Like this feels like one of those games where he will have an interception against the Steelers. And it just, that was just never going to really be the case against the Packers. Cause it was like, okay, we can just run the ball on the Packers, stay in this on limit possessions. We got weather on our side here. Cause we want to run the ball and the Packers want to throw the ball. So all of that sort of equaled out to them covering that spread. None of those things are on the Jags right, side right. this week. And it's not like home field matters at all. No. And so like, yeah, like my number, was eight but again if i could acknowledge that home field doesn't mean anything then i get why it's 10 and it's just kind of a rough spot here for the jags but it's kind of a rough spot for the steelers with them looking ahead to the big thanksgiving night game against the ravens on uh, on thursday so uh stay away if you can i know that you can't because you've forced yourself into <laughs> betting and picking i should say every game uh so i say best of luck to you sir in this one <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're totally correct there. And at only 10, like you're barely into the double-digit spreads, I think I can comfortably take the Steelers and not be too mad either way. Um, as we switch gears to another AFC North squad in the Cleveland Browns, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites. And if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, I think I saw this line at four-and-a-half for a bit. But they are favorites too. Philadelphia Eagles. I'm mad about this game and I haven't even picked yet. Yeah. 
And it's because the Eagles <laughs> are an absolute mess, right? One of the worst performances coming off a bye that I've ever seen. And yeah. on the, at the same time, though, I can't take the Browns as three and a half point favorites against anybody, right? right? Like that just seems like no. a lot of points. So this is where we, you, you've taught me the biggest lesson of all the half point matters. Points matter, obviously, when you talk about gambling. But when I think about this, it's like that extra half point, I really don't like it all. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm leaning Eagles. I need you to talk me out of it, but I don't like it either way. I really here's the thing I can't talk you out of it right because you have to make a play here and yes the Eagles plus three and a half is the quote-unquote right side like you're going to cover more often than not when you have the Eagles plus three and a half in this game that being said I've sworn a vow I've sworn a vow to never bet the Eagles again I did it (laughs) I can't go back on that four days later right like i i'm just obligated to walk away and that's great news for me um because i'm happy to walk away but this is that game right that the eagles win they like everybody thinks we're garbage and we go to san francisco and we pull it out we go to cleveland and it's not like cleveland's like oh would you be stunned if cleveland lost a game of course you wouldn't be right Mm -hmm. and now you're getting that extra hook the funny thing about the sort of extra hook here at three and a half is that with our boy Skip the Dishes Peterson is because he loves going for two so aggressively and so stupidly and in just completely nonsensical ways, every game he plays turns into a CFL game where there aren't key numbers, right? There isn't three and seven and (laughs) we got to get three or three and a half or seven and seven and a half because it doesn't matter because the guy's down four and he's going for two when every every analytic tells you just to kick the extra point, right? Like he's just drunkenly wildly going for two here. So the numbers, the key numbers don't matter with regards to Eagles games. And frankly, nothing matters when it comes to Eagles games, because as good as each individual player is, or we think they are, every single one of them is overrated, right? Carson Wentz, way overrated. Doug Peterson's overrated. Everything about Schwartz, overrated. The defense, overrated. Every single guy. Yeah. Any guy who comes in like, oh, Lane Johnson's back, overrated at this point. Jason Peters might play, overrated, right? A guy who like they tried to kick down to guard here, but so many injuries and now he's the tackle again. And now I'm supposed to care that Jason Peters is back. All of it, completely overrated, right? And that's why they constantly lose games and they constantly don't cover spreads. But this is that grimy game, right? Like this is that grimy Eagles game. Now mm-hmm. it's the type of thing where it's like, okay, we're gonna give up a ton of rushing yards to Wayne Gallman in both games that we play against the Giants. And so what am I supposed to expect against Chubb and Hunt, right? Yeah. Like in, they just had 250 yards last week. But here's the yeah. thing with the Browns. They had like 250 yards rushing. They scored 13 points. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? You know what I mean? Like Against the Texans. Against the Texans. But like, yeah, they, they ran amok. They did everything that we expected them to do. And they still only barely won. And they didn't even cover that game. So like, why am I giving three and a half points away from the Brown, for the Browns? This is the mother of all stayaways in this case. <laughs> and I'm sure by Sunday, I will have sort of talked myself into like an Eagles money line. Because honestly, <laughs> like, I kind of like that more than I like anything else in this game. Because at least yeah. I'm getting you know, a percentage back here, right? Like I'm getting plus money on that bet. And if the Eagles are close, they're probably going to win this game because it is going to be that grimy Eagles game. But like, God, I hate the Eagles if you hadn't figured that out already. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it because it's just going to make me even more mad. Either way, watching this game or just when it comes on red zone, I'm going to get mad on Sunday. 
No matter what brought, I pick, no matter what goes on. As soon as you brought up the Browns, I got a sickening feeling in my stomach because <laughs> I knew you were about to talk about the Eagles. Like, you didn't even have to say Eagles. You just said Browns. And you could see my face on the YouTube. I was like, oh, God, we're having to do this. And, yeah, I like disgusting. I hate them. Uh, the Browns' opponents from Week 10 were the aforementioned Texans. And the Texans now host the Patriots. Patriots are two-point favorites on the road. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't believe I'm uttering those words after, again, not too long ago, I watched yeah. the Patriots barely beat the Jets. But hey, Perfect. here we yeah. are. And such is the NFL season, right? But if I try to look at this game objectively, I'm thinking, doesn't this game just scream as another Pats just grind it out, run the ball, which we just saw, as you mentioned, the Browns do to the Texans just last week. But the, here's the mm-hmm. thing. On defense, I wonder, you know, I see Belichick doing the whole, hey, we're only going to rush so many guys. We're going to sit back in our zone. And if Deshaun Watson, if you want to sit back and have the patience to pick us apart, cool. Go mm-hmm. ahead and do it. I don't know. I, I just look at this game and I, I think I can't take the Texans. There's nothing that makes me want to take the Texans in any situation at all. Like, you have right. the star of Deshaun Watson. And how many times have we asked ourselves, how can their offense be that bad? We know Deshaun Watson is good, but clearly right. they keep showing us that their team is that bad and their offense is that right. bad. So I'm going to just trust Belichick against Romeo Cornell here and be like, Hey, whatever, fine. I'll take the Patriots. That's what I'm thinking. Am I wrong here? I got some news for you. Beep boop, beep boop. Yeah, it's the alert. the 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 red uh, the the red siren. The uh, we're gonna get it eventually. I'm just holding nothing in my hand right now. Like, here, an apple. An um, apple is the new is the new sucker bet of the week. Alert okay. for you here. Okay. Okay. Everything you say is true, man. Everything that you say is true. And okay. but the most important thing I think is we have to remember this Patriots team against that Jets team. And like, I will never forget that. And for a bunch of different reasons, but in part, because you have to remember how bad the Patriots are. And yes, like Bill turned the weather on, right? He turned it up to 11. We talked about it on Monday. He went full spinal tap with it. Weather off the charts. Not going to be that situation, right? Mm -hmm. And so I can't judge on the flip side. I can't judge the Texans offense on last week. Now, there's a ton of different ways to judge the Texans offense this season. But in a lot of cases it has been the defense not being able to stop someone, right? Getting absolutely trucked by Green Bay, for example. But a lot of those other matchups are actually pretty close, right? Like the Pittsburgh game on the road, you know, all of these other teams that they've played, you know, I'm going to give them a pass for losing to Kansas City, and I'm going to give them a pass for losing to a pretty healthy Baltimore team. Like we always talk about the Houston schedule, right? And I'm even going to give them a pass for last week in that ridiculous weather setup when it comes to Cleveland. Now, the coaching matchup here is a horror show. Don't get me wrong here. Romeo Cornell against Bill Belichick. And that's enough to sort of make you think that the Patriots are going to win this game too. But again, Adam Gase had a 10-point lead against the Patriots in the fourth quarter. So it just ain't what it used to be when it comes to that state. Correct. So I still love Deshaun Watson. Like I'm going to like come up with an elaborate kidnapping plan. I hope you're with me. We'll get some <laughs> cool masks. It'll be really fun. We'll get those suction cups. 
you know, and we'll get those like glass cutters and we can do that whole thing. It's going to be really, really fun. And we're going to get Deshaun Watson out of Houston one way or another, because that organization is an absolute disaster. But let's look at this from a market standpoint. Before this past weekend, Houston was favored in this game. They're minus two, minus two and a half. And so you go, okay, well, what's changed in this week? And again, as mentioned, the weather is, for me, the, mass, the major cause of the Ravens losing to the Patriots, right? Because the, the Patriots okay. just had a better game plan. Josh McDaniels was quoted as talking about he's going to use all his best plays in the first half because they knew that the weather was going to get insane in the second half. And yeah. that's why you see the Jacoby Myers play where he's throwing a touchdown. Like they, got, they made sure to get themselves a lead before things got really weird. Right now, I don't know if John Harbaugh just wasn't aware of that or there was nothing they could do about that. On the flip side, Houston, obviously a big throw the ball a ton offense. They go and have to play in gale force winds in Cleveland. So now you've got neutral territory, essentially, right? Like, yes, it's a home game for Houston, but now we've got just back to normal indoors, nothing insane happening here. So what's the Patriots edge in this case? Because it's just at that point, their offense, which is like slowly run the ball down the field. Now, will they be able to do that against the Texans? Sure, that's possible. But in the NFL in 2020, as much as we worry about stopping the run and running the ball because it's all, it makes everything that much easier, it's still kind of a high wire act. And so when you're running the ball, all it takes is a holding penalty to completely jam up the entire drive or some other penalty or just some stuffage of the run, right? Like JJ Watt, all he has to do is have one two yard tackle for loss on first down. And now we're talking about second and 12. And do you really want Cam Newton slinging the ball around in a shot for shot type of game with Deshaun Watson? We've seen from the Patriots, like the defense just isn't very good. It's a lot better in gale force winds and driving rain and all of that against Lamar Jackson when they don't even really want to throw the ball either. John Watson wants to throw the football. So you watch the market go from two and a half here on one side all the way to two and a half on the other. And that's like a five point move that's changed the favorite in this game. But I'm not sure what warranted that. Like, yes, we saw them beat the Ravens, but that's not the situation here. That's not the game feel. That's not anything. You know, that has nothing to do with this game. And so, yes, the Texans have not beat anybody other than the Jags this year. I completely understand that. But that's not necessarily predictive of the future here. So I think you're going to have everybody back on the Patriots here, just throwing money. And the other thing is, it didn't, it never got to three. Right? So it goes all the way across the number. It's steaming along, yeah. steaming along, and it gets to two and a half, and then all of a sudden, boom, it hits a wall. It does, it refuses to go to three. Now you're sort of seeing it tick back to two. I've even seen some one and a half at this point, because eventually the people who sort of agree with me, if you will, have seen this and gone, no, it's just never going to get to three. Let's get two and a half while we can, because I think this ticks back to about a pick em here. And I think that's indicative of where your money should go here, knowing that a lot of people are happy to take the Patriots here, again, off of kind of a smoke and mirrors, or in this case, rain and wind type of a game last week. Okay, okay, Texans is home dogs. Okay, 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 fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'm not sure you're going to be on the home dogs in this case, but we'll see as the Broncos are hosting the Miami Dolphins. And the Dolphins are three-point favorites. And I think I understand why you can't have the Dolphins as more than three-point favorites 
on the road. Like, I think I get why you can't do that yet. Right. But at the same time, sure. Why am I taking the Broncos? Right. Like, Locke hasn't looked good and he might be banged up and hurt. He might not even be playing. So I look at this and I think, right. you know, I said this about San Fran earlier on in the season where sometimes I'm just taking institutional covers, meaning I'm betting on mm-hmm. the institution of the Dolphins franchise, their defense and sure. special teams. And then, yes, Tua not losing them the game. I like, right. I'm on the Dolphins here at three. It's a weird one, though, because I kind of look at that and I'm like, what, what's happening here? Talk to me. What what's going on? What in well, what world would I be taking the Broncos? Sure, and, and and you talk about institutions, and maybe I belong in an institution. I think anybody who's been sort of listening to this and watching this <laughs> over the course of this season is like, this person's an insane person. Um, and, and maybe like Carson Wentz, I might get away with something um, by by pleading insanity. I'm going to try to get away with betting on the Broncos this week. Okay, and here's talk why: for me. one, talk that number's me. up to three and a half. First and foremost, that number is a three and a half now. So we're getting the hook here. Okay. The reason that it has to be three or three and a half and not higher, even though everybody's coming on Dolphins, a game that was opened at two and a half this week, not look ahead, this week it was opened at two and a half and has been bet to such that it's crossed over the key number of three and gone to three and a half. The reason is a couple of two different reasons. And, and, and before I even get to that, it's, this is hilarious. The Drew Locke thing, as you mentioned, right? Uh, you look at a game that we might probably won't even talk about Carolina and Detroit, because we don't have a line for it. We don't know who the quarterbacks are, right? Yeah. Stafford's got a banged up hand. And, and mm-hmm. again, he was questionable all last week and there was no line for the longest time up until Saturday this week. It's Teddy Bridgewater. Not sure if he's going to play. So there's no line in that game, right? The fact that drew Locke is injured and sports books are still like, yeah, doesn't matter. I'm still putting a lineup. We don't need to keep this off the board because whether Drew Locker plays is completely insignificant to the line. Tells you all you need to know about Drew Locke, right? So you could sit in a bar back when we used to be able to do that and argue with your friends about whether Drew Locke is good, whether he's going to be good, all of that kind of thing. But the thing that's telling you that he is replacement level at this stage in, the, in his career is the market. Because it's literally saying to you, Brett Rippon can start this game and we don't care the line stays where the line is right now. A lot of people are going to bet the dolphins. And so this one almost gets the apple treatment where it's the sucker bet of the week, but this is so far beyond the sucker bet that this is like Mount Rushmore of like suckerage, if you will, because of how much people love the dolphins. But the reason that you can bet the Broncos is twofold. One, from a Dolphins standpoint, as much as we love the Tua thing and as much as we love the defense thing, are they going to get blocked punts for effectively touchdowns? Are they going to keep getting strip sacks for touchdowns? Like that's kind of been a big deal here when they're talking about their win against the Cardinals two weeks ago and even their win last week against the Chargers, right? Because they took a seven-point lead right off the bat off of a blocked punt. And the answer is maybe they do, but like you can't rely on that, right? Like you can't be like, well, I'm betting this team because of the block bunt that's coming this week or the pick six or something along those lines. It just doesn't work that way. And so I have to look at the metrics and go, yeah, the Dolphins have been successful. They're well coached, which again was why they get advantages on defense and special teams. But the offense just isn't putting up the yards per play numbers that would, that would, you know, verify them as a three and a half point road favorite to anybody, maybe other than the Jets, right? <laughs> and so 
so the, so when you look at it deeper like that, you go, okay, that doesn't really work out. And then you go, okay, what's the story with the Broncos here? And as much as that score looked bad last week against the Raiders, if they don't get a holding penalty called on them, and it was a hold, I'll fully grant you that, it was an unnecessarily unnecessary hold, right? So it's not we're blaming the player, we're not yeah, blaming yeah. the referee. It's like we're just blaming like, oh, he didn't have to do it. Drew Locke was going to get into the end zone. The Broncos were going to be in the lead at halftime, right? Mm-hmm. He ends up not getting into the end zone. He gets smoked at the end of that second quarter, and then he's banged up to the degree that he's probably not going to play this week. But he played through it. Adrenaline's going, all of that stuff last week. And he played through it when he shouldn't have because it was interceptions. There was some sketchy bounces, one of these fumbles that like the guy's knee was probably down, but you couldn't overturn the initial ruling of a fumble because one of the, you know, the camera was blocked because another guy was in the way. Like one of these where it's just like, God, that's probably not a fumble, but they can't overturn it. That was on their own five yard line. So the point is, is that game was a lot closer against the Raiders last week than if you just look at that score and be like, oh, Broncos got smoked again, right? Because this is still the same Broncos team that even though we don't think the Patriots are any good, still went to New England and won that game. And even though we don't think the Jets are any good, Brett Rippon still played pretty well in like that weirdly high scoring game with the Jets. So there's enough there from a Broncos standpoint that if they play conservatively and they don't turn the ball over, and again, against the Dolphins, that's kind of a tricky ask because they seem to turn everybody over, then this game should be that low-scoring game, right? Cold weather, very different circumstance from the Dolphins and Tua, right? Because we saw him at home against the Rams, we saw him indoors in Arizona, and we saw him at home against the Chargers. Well, what's it going to look like when that team with limited weapons has to go play in a cold-weather, high-altitude type of a game, right? It's one of those where they could get out of there with a three-point win, but you're sitting there with your bet going, like, I thought this was a sure thing. So... I'm betting the Broncos this weekend. I know that that means I should probably be institutionalized, but (laughs) I think it's the play in that game. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, Hey, this is why we talk things through. I like, I like the pitch. I will reassess. I'll take a sec. (laughs) I'll take a step back. Think about it. Let it simmer on it for a couple of days, maybe see where the line ends up. But as always for people that might not be familiar with what we do on the pod, I come out, I'd say which side I'm leaning on. We talk it out. And then I end up with my full picks that normally get out on Saturday, which you can find on the On Blast site because as Mr. Russell continues to chirp me about, I foolishly try to pick every single game against the spread. We talk things through here. We take a step back and then we reconvene. I post the the picks on the weekend on the On Blast site. So tune in to see which side we fall on. As of now though, I'm still finding it very tough to see the Broncos, but hey, that's why <laughs> you're not buying what I'm selling here. I get it, man. No, no, no. I get it. This is why we talk things out, though. This is why we mm-hmm. talk things out. Yeah. Um, one guy I know I'm not buying what he's selling, regardless of what just happened on Monday night. Your man's Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, and I know that it might not be about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. It might be more about right. Dalvin Cook in the Vikings. But either way. They are seven and a half point favorites against your Dallas Cowboys. And by your, I mean the greater NFL America's team, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, definitely not my team, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. There's there's rumblings. Is Andy Dalton back? They're coming off the bye. And I know the Cowboys season has been a joke. We just saw the Vikings on Monday night. Kirk Cousins celebrating, fist pumping. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's feeling good. 
I'm going to be honest with you, though. I can't take the Vikings as seven-and-a-half-point favorites against anyone. Again, maybe the Jets. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, when I we just say anyone, we say any professional team. But, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm leaning taking the points. I love, obviously, the extra half point. The, the Cowboys coming off the bye. Cousins, short week. I like I liked the Cowboys. Again, this wouldn't rate high on my, on my power rankings sure. of picks. Sure. But forcing myself to take a pick, I'm leaning Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, I'm impressed. Uh, I, I'm with you there. This might be one where we're sitting back and going like, I can't believe I bet on Andy Dalton again. Like, I can't <laughs> believe I did it. Like that's, you know, three hours of that isn't any good. Good news is the one o'clock game, I, you know, so we don't have to necessarily do that. Sorry, a four o'clock game, actually. Oh, that's surprising. Um, so that we don't actually have to do that uh, if we don't want to, because there's other games going on. Um, yeah, I like the Cowboys here and I like them for one reason. Those outside matchups right you've got those three guys you know wide the wide receivers on that team against a vikings team that just hasn't been challenged with kind of a rough secondary right nick Foles didn't do it and look at it this way right as much as the vikings covered that game and i was impressed that they won the game because i knew it was going to be that sloppy game where like i think i said on the podcast like somebody's scoring 19 points in the game like 19 is such an obscure nfl number that only could happen in a bears game it's like it's gonna be 20 to 19 it's gonna be 19 to 16 like somebody's getting to 19 i don't even know how and so but think about how they covered that game. Like, first of all, they needed the Bears' best, sort of maybe most dominant defensive player, Akeem Hicks, to come out of that game. And now all of a sudden, Dalvin Cook, who couldn't really get anything going, was able to move the ball down the field. And then, of course, they get that late touchdown in order to cover. And as bad as the Bears' offense was, that was still very much a game. And I just think with Andy Dalton, if he is in fact the true replacement level starting quarterback, right? Like not a backup quarterback, but like an okay starting quarterback. He's going to be able to test the Vikings corners with your CD lambs, your gallops, right? Like the Coopers, everybody essentially. Right. So yes, short week, we've got a bye week situation here. The other element you watch the Vikings special teams, and they can't snap the ball, to, you know, to, for the field goal or for the extra point. They're giving up kick return touchdowns. It's kind of a mess. Whereas the Cowboys, the one good hire that they made in the offseason was getting the special teams coach from the Los Angeles Rams. And you saw against the, the Steelers, he's pulling out the throw it across the field kick return. Like they're up to stuff when it comes to special teams. Whereas the Vikings are just trying to hang on for dear life. So there could be an extra three points in there one way or another, whether it's missed field goal for the Vikings, whether it's trick play from the Cowboys, especially with that extra week to kind of look at it on the, you know, Another reason to like the Cowboys, their talent. Like they're starting to get a lot of those guys back in gel. And we talked about that going into the Steelers game. We even talked about it going into the Eagles game that they should have covered were it not for the NFL absolutely being fixed and robbing them of that game. Uh, or at least robbing those of us with uh, Dallas plus 10 plus 11 of the cover. Uh, not that I'm still you know bitter about it. But, you know, again, this Cowboys team has enough guys, right? And they're getting yeah, some guys yeah. healthy. They're getting a Wouzier back. Um, he's, you know, Maybe not necessarily a Pro Bowl level quarterback, but certainly a starting quarterback in this league. And Kirk Cousins, kind of been pretty fortunate, right? Whether it was the Bears game, whether it was not having to do much against the Lions, whether it was having to do next to nothing against the Packers. 
like when you're talking Packers, Lions, Bears, given the way that those games went, this three-game win streak for the Vikings, uh, yeah, a little smoke not, and mirrorsy too, right? Yeah, and not, so I'm from a market standpoint, it yeah, it's been this line was nine last week, and then even after watching them win against Chicago, and the Cowboys did nothing because they didn't play, this thing is ticked down to seven at this yeah. point. So it isn't because like the world is betting up the Cowboys. It's just realizing that that number being over a touchdown was just too darn high for a game here. That's the spot favors the Cowboys a ton here in, uh, in what could be kind of a shootout type game that might make Andy Dalton look pretty good. No, I hear you. I got you. Um, Sticking with the NFC East though, Washington football team is hosting Joey covers. Yeah. And Joey covers tough week last week against the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, they are a point and a half underdogs in Washington. I'm just taking the, I don't really need to spend a lot of time or want to spend a lot of time <laughs> talking about Alex Smith and the Washingtonians, right. yeah. but uh, I'm going to take the, the Bengals to cover. I, I just think they beat or cover against other mediocre or bad teams. Yep. I think Alex Smith definitely qualifies in the situation. So, I'm I'm cool to just say I'm I'm, I'm on the Bengals. Yeah, listen, I, I, I'll I'll come on here and say a bunch of crazy stuff about some crazy games, right? And like, it doesn't <laughs> matter whether it's a good game, bad game. If I see there's an edge, like I'm going to bet it, and if I don't, I'll stay away. Mm-hmm. In this case. I just don't see anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, if you told fine. me you, if you loved Washington and you know, I'd be fine with that too. And if you love Cincinnati. And in fact, this is actually the opposite, but it, it serves its same purpose as the Colts and the Packers game in that, okay. like we're going to tease the Packers because we go, Hey, Packers plus seven and a half plus eight. Like that oh, would yeah. be great, but we need something to tease it with. Well, how about, teasing it on whoever's playing the Washington football team, getting that number up to plus seven and a half or plus yeah, yeah. eight. Right. And so it's like the same attitude, but different for different reasons. Cause in this case, it's more of a fade, but in this case with Cincinnati, I much trust, you know, I'd love Cincinnati plus seven and a half, even at a minus two seventy price here. So let's, let's throw that in together with the green Bay Packers and kind of go two sides of the spectrum, right? Two ends, like really good game, really bad game. Doesn't matter. Same situation. Plus seven and a half teaser play. Let's go. I hear you. I hear you. And uh, the chargers chargers hosting the jets, eight and a half point favorites chargers versus Gase and company coming off a bye week. We've talked about this a lot in terms of how certain teams will spend said bye week. And the Jets, I'm not really sure they might be the example of a team that was studying all week, getting prepared for the second half of their season. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, I'm convinced they're throwing games like their coach is throwing games. I don't think players can throw games. I don't think that's a thing. It's football. It's a violent sport. Sure. So from a, a game plan standpoint, when I watch, I, I mentioned this before. So Gase, yeah, who knows what's going on there? But my only real question is, is the eight and a half points too many for your man's Anthony Lynn and Justin Herbert and his new haircut? Yeah, I mean, based on everything that we know about one really bad haircuts and two Anthony Lynn, yeah, like anything <laughs> touchdown is like a complete mess when it comes to that, right? Like, yeah. I don't know why you'd ever want to lay that many points with Anthony Lynn. But let's just okay. say there was a case to be made for the Chargers mm-hmm. in general here. Okay. One, slowly getting healthier, 
right? Like okay. uh, Bosa back, right? Obviously key element to last week's game when Tua was able to sit back there without any sort of worry about pressure. Yeah. That's not going to be necessarily the case for the Jets. That's said, like they look to be getting Makai Becton back, right? They're sort of star left tackle rookie. And so maybe that's going to kind of, you know, change things up a little bit here. So if the Chargers are getting a little bit healthier and the Jets are still the Jets, the Anthony Lynn thing, it's like, yes, every game he's overmatched unless it's against Anthony Gay or against uh, uh, Gase. And so this is the one time where like maybe the coaching matchup is actually a wash when it comes to the Chargers and in a talent matchup. And of course the Chargers have a ton more talent than the Jets do. And so uh, I'm a little worried about Herbert's haircut and how that's going to affect because that's a mess. He didn't seem to be to mind it. So, okay, like that's fine. Um, But from an offensive standpoint, right? Like the Chargers are always able to move the ball. It's just, do they blow it or do they do it in an efficient way that allows them to win? When it comes to the Jets here, Flacco, statue, pressure, all of that stuff, is he going to be able to just do the thing where he throws it deep and hopes for the best? How often is that really going to work in the NFL, right? It's why we don't think all that much of Joe Flacco because it doesn't work very often. So yeah. I'm not looking to lay the points here with the, with the Chargers, but I can't get talked into a Joe Flacco plus eight and a half situation here either. Um, you know, if you really want to dance with the devil, maybe you tease this down from eight and a half to minus two and a half and hope the Chargers just, you know, get it done enough. Um, <laughs> normally I would say this is a great spot for the Chargers to blow a team out. We just haven't seen that this season or in the entire history of Anthony Lynn. So why would I bet on that occurring in this one? No, I got you. I got you. We mentioned already the sucker bet of the week, but survivor picks, things are getting a lot of things are getting spicy. It's week 11 in survivor land. And, you know, obviously if people are lucky enough to still have the Steelers, which I am in a couple pools, actually, Mm-hmm. Cool. That might be the easy, obvious pick. Is that where you're leaning in terms of from an advice standpoint to the sure. masses here? Yeah. So as you know, we do, uh, you know, our Circa Survivor, you know, Circa Sports down in Las Vegas, huge contest, $1.39 million up for grabs here. Woo! And we are still alive. And we used the Saints last week. And because we wanted to save the Packers for next week, we didn't use the Steelers two weeks ago and almost cost us when we used the Patriots. And so, yes, we have the Steelers. Here's the thing. If you're listening to this podcast, you're watching this on YouTube, you're going, um, they said to use the Steelers two weeks ago. I wasn't informed that they changed their mind and took the Patriots. So if I'm being true to the audience, I have to take somebody other than the Steelers. Okay, okay. If I'm being true to the Circa Survivor team, which, by the way, I'm not making the pick this week, right? Because, again, we have, you know, uh, split shares amongst our listeners over at the window. And so we have a listener making the pick this week. And I know for a fact that he's struggling between the Steelers and the Chargers. Not really all that surprising, right? Because these are the two biggest spreads of the week. So if you haven't taken the Steelers, then yes, I have to tell you the Chargers are the play. Um, But otherwise, maybe it's the Steelers. Now, we might not take the Steelers because there's an extra week in the Circus Survivor. It's the Thanksgiving Day specifically. And if you look ahead to those matchups on Thanksgiving Day, they are coin flips across the board. And so if we didn't use the Steelers this week, it would be because we want to save the Steelers for Thursday night against the Ravens. Not that that's some super attractive play (laughs) compared to Washington versus Dallas. Who do you love in that game? 
or Houston at Detroit, who do you love in that game? Maybe relying on a pretty good Steelers team in, you know, a game they're going to really care about might be the right play, but is that enough for us to take the Chargers this week? So it's between those two at this point. Uh, this is the only time you're ever going to use the Chargers. So, you know, maybe because it's pre-Thanksgiving, then that's the play. And maybe it won't feel as bad if you lose in this week than if you do in, you know, future weeks. But it's tough. Um, yeah. But it's between yeah, those I got two. You. I got you. I got you. And first off, kudos to people if you're still around in your survivor pools. It come week 11. Bravo to you. I hope you are able to bring it on home. And I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to enjoy in one of the pools, just sitting back and just taking the Steelers while everyone else is trying to jockey and figure out who they're going to pick. But speaking of picks again, just know that each and every week you can find my full picks on the on blast podcast site every Saturday, or at least Sunday morning for sure. You can find out the final picks as we Recap and talk things through on this pod each and every Thursday ahead of making said final picks. Then, of course, we recap what happens on each and every NFL Sunday on Mr. Russell's podcast, which is the Window Podcast, which is not just about the NFL. There's a lot of different things going on there, no matter what's going on during the sports calendar. I know you had a big guest this week, but in terms of the Window Podcast, let the people know where they can find that and what you got going on. And also, of course, plug the Twitter, please. Absolutely. First of all, Twitter at MRussAuthentic, M-R-U-S-S, Authentic. The podcast, the Windows Sports Betting Podcast for you guys watching on the YouTube feed. There it is right there. Um, yes, you talked about the guest this week. Awesome conversation with Drew Dinsick. You might know him online as Whale Capper. Sort of, um, you know, a really interesting, really smart guy. And so, you know, during the... Uh, and I think I've talked about this before on this feed. Uh, during the shutdown, I had a fair, you know, couple of different guests over the course of the summer talking about how they got into sports betting and their job. And we had a bunch of people from a bunch of different walks of life, if you will. And so Wednesday is getting a little bit sleepier, right? No NBA to speak of, not counting the draft last night. Uh, no NHL, you know, the college football Mac situation is just a complete mess. So I was like, <laughs> you know what, let's kind of bring that back for a couple of Wednesdays here. And so was able to talk to him, long form conversation about how he went from, you know, just growing up to um, being a civil engineer that went to Duke to all of a sudden having this podcast that was sold to a sports betting company uh, or sports betting app, I should say, and everything in between, right? Sort of his process, very mathematical, analytical to the point where he's he's an earthquake engineer in his day job in California and how he got to sort of realize the models that he uses in civil engineering that involve, you know, probabilities and statistics and all of that stuff. He realized that he could become a better, better by using that type of strategy, right? Like using that type of a process. And so really interesting stuff from him. A lot of good laughs, a lot of talking about, you know, football this week. Um, I, I, I suckered him into talking about the Thanksgiving Day games and where we should go with the uh, Circus Survivor pick, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a really, really good guy and a really fun conversation. That was Wednesday's show. So check that out at the Window Podcast. Um, anywhere you find podcasts, right? Same, same as you find this one. Hey, indeed, indeed. And yes, that wraps up another week of... I'll name this football pod later. And again, thank you to the people who are liking and subscribing wherever you get the podcast. As mentioned, 
Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and of course on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Let your peoples know. I know everyone's got the the group text going on this Sunday about the football games and people rushing to play their pools tickets or their pro line tickets and all that. We're just trying to help you out. First off, we'd be advising you to stop playing pro line, but that's a story for another day. But if you are, we just want to inform you, just help you out a little bit, give you a little bit, of, a little extra nuggets to help you along your way, right? That's it. Sprinkle in some winners. But of course, thank you for liking and subscribing again. I'll name this football pod later is the show on blast podcast is the network. Tons of stuff going on there. Of course, we got the NBA season is in full gear with rumors and, you know, speculation and the the draft obviously was Wednesday night. So we got the ball on blast podcast there, which is a weekly NBA talk. NBA season right around the corner, which means our wrap it up podcast Raptors postgame show will be back as well. Tons of stuff going on. They even announced a brand new challenge season. So the you killed it podcast will be back as well. Lots going on. Again, like and subscribe to the On Blast Podcast Network. Really appreciate it. And you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Please follow up for more whole grain goodness as you see fit. But again, to wrap up each and every week, as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is, I'll name this football pod later, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. On blast.